I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me in the studio today are two guests from the Gateway Lab School, uh, Catherine Dolan, the head of the school, and Dr. Linda Krakauer, the Arts Integration Specialist. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So glad you could join us today. The Gateway Lab School has been around, uh, I know I asked you, since 2011. So you've got, this is your, what would that make? I was not a good math student. Your eighth year? Is that right? Yes, we are going into our second renewal. Okay, second renewal. Yes. Now, uh, let's, uh, for the sake of our listeners, let's uh, share a little bit about the the mission of the Gateway Lab School, its vision, uh, how it got started back in 2011. Well, basically, the Gateway Lab School is the vision of our founder. Her name is Pam Draper. Pam had a son who struggled in school. He was never quite comfortable about who he was and how he fit into his schools. There was a struggle when it came to homework, tears, long hours, and a lot of frustration. Pam, who uh, a dedicated mom, felt for her son and one day was watching a TV show where she saw Sally Smith. Sally Smith founded the Lab School of Washington. Sally Smith was talking about how she used arts integration to stimulate interest and to help kids take the abstract, make it concrete, and own the knowledge. And there was joy in the journey. So Pam contacted Sally Smith in Washington Sally was very gracious, invited Pam to come down to tour the school. It was inspirational, and Sally helped Pam make her vision come to life. Pam decided to make this a charter school. The Lab School of Washington has been replicated twice, once in Baltimore and once in Maniunk. Both of them, all three of the schools, are private. So Gateway Lab School is a little bit unique because it is the model of an arts-integrated school, but it is a charter school. And as a charter school, you have certain obligations to the Department of Education, and you fall within, is it the Red Clay School District? Well, actually, geographically, we are in the Red Clay School District, but we are an independent charter school. Correct. So we are our own district, which comes with its own set of Mm -hmm. complications. Mm -hmm. Right. Because uh, we do report, like any public school, to the Department of Education and are responsible for their various regulations. Mm-hmm. Now, let's uh, just talk a little bit about sort of the, the, the numbers, how, what grades are included, how many students, uh, faculty, student ratio, those kinds of things. Currently, we have 172 students. We can take up to 226 students. We are grades three through eight, and class size is typically 12 to 15. That's with one classroom teacher and one paraprofessional. Some classrooms actually have more than one para because of the needs of the students. So that is dictated by their IEP, their individual education plan. And so there is a wonderful ratio for learning with uh, a lot of adult supervision and um, students benefit greatly from that small environment. Mm -hmm. So uh, am I correct in what I heard that 
your your mission really is to serve students who uh, would not necessarily thrive in the traditional classroom setting. Is that a fair way to put that? Well, I think there's great truth in that. Uh, we have about 62% of our students who have needs that would be listed in an IEP or a 504 plan. Mm-hmm. These students have needs that go above and beyond what's considered a regular student. And so it is very helpful to have a setting that is smaller for them. And then it's also helpful to bring in the arts integration piece, Mm -hmm. making it experiential, making it very hands-on, connecting it to the principles of art. Mm -hmm. And what we have seen in our experience, these students begin to thrive. They will come to us typically very shy. They will come to us feeling somewhat inadequate, low self-confidence and self-esteem. And by the time they leave, we see a very different student. Mm -hmm. They have gained that self-confidence. They have gained self-awareness. They actually can advocate for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge difference that sends them off into the world more prepared to live life fully. Mm Well, you've brought up uh, a, a couple times the, the term arts integration. So let's turn to our arts integration specialist, Linda. What does what does that mean, and and what does that look like in the classroom and for the student? Well, that's an interesting question because arts integration is a term that hasn't been clearly defined in the field. Right. <laughs> <clears throat> However, I have my own definition that I use, which is basically to use creative processes and 21st century ways of thinking, communicating, collaborating, imagining um, as a vehicle to support learning. And in terms of learning, that means social, emotional learning, cognition, um, artistic learning. So really for me, arts integration, as I often say, the deeper the arts, the richer the learning, uh, because the arts provide a medium through which all students can express themselves and can connect very deeply to whatever the curriculum is. So in my mind, <clears throat> excuse me, in my mind, the, the more we teach the students about the arts, the language of the arts, the skills and knowledge of the arts, the better uh, capacity they have to express these larger ideas, these uh, concepts, if you will, that are really at the core of what learning is. Mm-hmm. So if I have my twin children, one in an arts-integrated classroom and one in a traditional classroom, what is the difference in the experience they get? Well, an arts-integrated room would tend to be, first of all, led by a teacher who's a facilitator. So rather than lecturing to the students, the teacher himself or herself identifies as a creative person. And so in that role, the teacher will um, begin a lesson with what we call inquiry, So asking an important question related to the students as individuals, their communities, or the world. And it's student-centered in that the question is posed, and the students, it's their job to investigate that question. So they'll be working in groups. They'll be doing hands-on learning. They'll be researching on the computer. They'll be fully engaged um, rather than an adult sort of lecturing to them about what the answer is. Mm Mm-hmm. You'll also see that the students are um, are processing information on a very deep level because the arts requires them to do so. 
So in a typical school, you might, the teacher might say, hey, draw a picture after you read such and such chapter. And that's fine. Um, but the students are not really taught anything about the art form. So what they do is often superficial. However, in an arts integrated school, we actually teach the students about the art form itself. So when, it's, when a student is drawing a picture, they're actually able to say, hey, I made this artistic choice. I chose this color. I used this shape or this perspective for a particular reason. And they reflect on it um, and they, they make it concrete. And then they're able to share that, their ideas. So sort of the thinking that goes on in a student's mind is actually made concrete for everyone in the room to be able to see and modify and, and, and extend that learning. Mm-hmm. So it looks very different. Now, I, I'm curious it, 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 uh, about the demonstration of learning in an arts-integrated classroom. And I'm, I'm thinking back to my uh, previous life where I was a classroom teacher. I, I specifically remember a high school student in my history classes who had difficulties expressing his understanding of American history through an essay. But when I went through the spring art exhibition and his portfolio was all of these paintings of his about the African-American experience in, in America, and he conveyed more knowledge in those paintings than he had in an entire year of essays for me. So what, what does, does student assessment look like in an in a arts-integrated classroom? So um, <clears throat> I'll use your example of a history teacher. We actually have a project going on right now that's related to the show Hamilton and the American Revolution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're asking the students, we gave them a fictional situation that there are some producers who would like to create Hamilton to the entire story, but um, they're uncertain about whether they want to invest or not because there's some historians who are critical of Hamilton in terms of its limited points of view, limited lens on history, that sort of thing. So we're asking these students to engage in doing some research on a concept that they could then share with these fictionalized producers. Mm -hmm. So in other words, they're looking at history and then using art itself to express an idea. So to be more specific, first they're looking at um, some anime that's been done of Hamilton, which is really fascinating. So they took the score of Hamilton and they've done the entire thing in anime. So they're analyzing that. So that's the first way of assessing how much knowledge, prior knowledge the students have is they're analyzing this and connecting it to the reading that they've been doing or the, the sharing that the teacher has done with them. Then based on that, the next step is, hmm, what's an important perspective that's not here that I think should be told? That's important in terms of the American Revolution. So then they're taking those ideas down to the art teacher where they're actually creating in groups um, anime of that moment. Mm-hmm. So what would that moment look like and from whose perspective and who has the power in the situation and how is that going to impact what the anime looks like in terms of who's bigger, who's smaller, what symbols are we going to use? So again, that provides the teacher with a way to assess student understanding of these moments and of their ability to use digital media. Mm-hmm. Then they're taking that to the music teacher and the music teacher is helping them to compose a story, if you will, to go along with the anime So it has a beginning, middle, and end. So the music teacher is teaching them about composition. So that's just another way to assess, do they understand the magnitude of these historical moments? Because they're capturing it musically um, with 
with dissonance and consonance and uh, the intensity of these moments and putting that all together. So throughout that process, we use protocols. So the students are continuously giving each other feedback. What do you like so far? What do you not understand? Why did you make this artistic choice? How could you elevate that choice? And then finally, they'll share their final products. Mm. Um, So I've actually designed something called inquiry-based arts integration, which is a four-phase model, um, which is what we're using at Gateway Lab School to elevate how the arts are used in the classroom. And then there's points along the way where the teacher and the students know it's time for us to stop and reflect. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there's so much more to pursue here, but let me first remind our listeners that you are Tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV. Our guests in the studio today are the head of the Gateway Lab School, Catherine Dolan, and the arts integration specialist, Dr. Linda Krakauer. Uh, we've been talking about arts integration in great detail, but what what comes to mind is that it's it's not a, it's it's not only arts integration within the classroom, but what I'm hearing uh, from you, Linda, is uh, an incredible amount of collaborative teaching and i would think that that uh, i'm curious uh catherine maybe you can speak to this i i would is the structure of the school day different so that teachers have an opportunity to be coordinating with each other i mean i i can't imagine the student just goes from the classroom to the music room and just through osmosis the music teacher knows what to do with that we do have a schedule in place that allows us to touch base with one another Mm -hmm. as a faculty and staff every morning. So the teachers arrive at 745. The students don't arrive until 830. Every morning we have a professional development opportunity. Mm -hmm. So this is a wonderful time where we can exchange ideas, talk about student schedules. Now, they all have music, PE, and art, throughout the week. So those periods can be planned ahead of time. Right. But as far as communicating, building community that collaborates the way you just detailed, that morning professional development time is crucial. And we use it to do exactly what you suggest. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I want to come back to the, the students, uh, if, if we can. Um, it, it's third grade through eighth grade. Yes. I'm curious. Uh, is do most students begin in third grade and carry through to eighth grade? You have some coming in in fifth or sixth grade and then go through eighth grade. How, how does that work, the longevity of students there? And, and then what is the goal for the student once they're done with eighth grade? They're not going to go off into the working world or off to college. There's four more years of schooling. So, so what are your goals for the students who you know, make it through Gateway Lab School? Well, to begin with, we have a combination. We have students who come to us in third grade and stay typically through eighth grade. Mm -hmm. We also have a large infusion at middle school. And we have noticed a particular bump in seventh grade. I attribute that to the fact that students start middle school. It's a very different experience. Mm -hmm. They find it disquieting and discomforting. Mm -hmm. And they turn to us to try to find something smaller and more intimate. Mm -hmm. And so we have this combination, which does present its own problems. However, even in a short period of time, coming to us as a seventh grader, being with us for two years, we do see a marked difference in students. 
They go to any number of high schools. Some go to Votech schools, in fact, quite a few, to private schools and to public schools. And now we are beginning to see students returning who have been accepted into colleges. We have students at the University of Delaware. We have a student who recently shared with us that she has received a four-year scholarship. She has been accepted into 11 different colleges and universities. And this is a student who was so fearful she could not get out of the car daily. And so to see that kind of difference is absolutely inspiring. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps us going Mm -hmm. because our goal is for students to be empowered, to go from being, as they describe it, invisible. Mm -hmm. I was invisible in my old school, a student told me. He said, and now people see me. Mm. That's a huge statement. Sure. And if I can add to that something interesting, I mean, one of my goals, I sort of have three parts to what I do, which is shaping the culture. So I work with the teachers, I work with the students, and I also work with um, other stakeholders like the University of Delaware, Department of Education, and other places to help uh, bring in more creativity into the building. But one thing that I've seen that I, that I think is tremendous, some of the extracurricular activities that the students have been involved in. For example, the music teacher created a choir this year. And so those students actually sang at a baseball game, a minor league baseball game Hmm. recently. So that's one way that you take students who maybe are a little bit um, atypical, if you will, and they are able to show what they can do Mm -hmm. creatively. And they're getting positive reinforcement, which is the most important thing about all of this work really is for them to have a voice. So that's one way to give them a voice. Another example is the students participate in something called Odyssey of the Mind. Mm -hmm. So that's a challenge where they're given something to work on collaboratively ahead of time, a a problem to solve, and then they go and they compete against other schools. So again, you could say on the one hand that maybe these students have additional challenges in these kinds of situations, but um, some of the staff who went along to this event shared with me that during lunchtime, the students from Gateway were making friends by talking about Hamilton. So they were saying, do you know Hamilton? And they would just start singing it and walking around and rapping (laughs) to it. And so again, they see themselves as very much being equal to Mm -hmm. the other students. Sure, they're a little bit different in some ways, but everyone is. Mm -hmm. And in this way, they they can take these opportunities and maximize them and develop that that inner confidence that they're capable. And so I've just been very pleased to see how many opportunities these students have to go out in public and really show what they have. Mm-hmm. I, I've neglected to ask you anything about one of the most important components of, of uh, education, and having been one previously, I can say that, and that is the teacher. This kind of educational environment, I would imagine, uh, attracts a certain kind of teacher uh, and Probably, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably demands a different kind of professional development than we typically think about for the traditional classroom teacher. Is that fair to say? Yes, as far as, as, far as my part with professional development. So I do professional development with the teachers um, when they have professional development days. So I'm working with them on creative processes, um, 
thinking uh, about their instructional decisions in terms of taking a curriculum, looking at where the students are and figuring how to build bridges, creative bridges, artistic bridges that those students can traverse and maximize their learning. So actually these, I have to say, I've been in a lot of schools and these teachers love the kids. They just love on the kids. They're very patient with the students. They're very understanding of the students as individuals. So that is very different than a traditional school where it's sort of more standardized. Um, it is very much individualized and there's a lot of support staff. So these teachers are willing to go the extra mile to do whatever is required um, for the students to succeed. And I would think it requires a, a personality that is willing to, for lack of a better phrase, let go. Because what I heard you talking about, Linda, earlier is is uh, uh, the, the child really uh, taking control of much of their learning. Yes, and they have to be very skilled at structuring yes. those situations right. and differentiating right. instruction because every child in there has a different IEP and a different need and a different emotional state and a different life experience. So um, you really have to draw on all your resources as a teacher and be a risk taker. And that's one of the things that I really respect about the teachers that I've worked with is their ability to grow professionally. And so the more they grow, the better they can service the students. As an education professor of mine once said, uh, children are always learning. The role of the educator is to help shape how and what it is that they learn, which uh, I, that always stuck with me. So I, th I think what you're doing at the Gateway Lab School is, is really exciting uh, with the students you work with. Uh, it, it's uh, clearly in your, your years here, you've, you've shown uh, this, the success of this kind of program. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time. So I just want to thank you, Dr. Linda Krakauer, the Arts Integration Specialist, and Catherine Dolan, the head of school at the Gateway Lab School, for joining us today. Thank you.